Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Shane White Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Routine. When we sleep, we lose between a pound and a pound and a half of water, expelling vapors, sweating. Um, when you wake up in the morning, you're you you weigh lighter, and but you also are most mostly dehydrated. Morning Routine is a proprietary product brought to you by Routine. And it is designed to rehydrate you first thing in the morning. Most of us grab that cup of coffee. I am one of those people uh, before I tried routine. Now I drink morning routine. Uh, They come in single serve packets. Each packet contains half an organic lemon, one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, Himalayan sea salt, all six essential electrolytes, and most importantly, no sugar. I tear one of those packets open Dump it into a into a, one of those mixer bottles of water, shake it up, and I'm good to go. Trusted ingredients, made convenient. If you guys would like to try a routine, you can go to yourroutine.com and use code ShaneWhite30 at checkout for 30% off your first order. Um, they are also back in stock on Amazon. Uh, the code only works on their website, so yourroutine.com gets you 30% off your order using code ShaneWhite30. But uh, they are back in stock on Amazon as well, so I wanted to mention that. Today's episode is also brought to you by Elite Sweets. Elite Sweets is redefining the way we think about sweets with their Elite Donuts. The Elite Donut is a better-for-you donut that is packed with 13 grams of protein, gluten-free, keto-friendly, and contains only one gram of sugar. You can get yours today at EliteDonut.com or on Amazon by using code ShaneWhite30 for 30% off your order. These donuts are the shit, folks. Um, I love them. They've become a staple in my house. They're a great, great snack if you're looking for high protein, low sugar, low carb, you know, that keto-friendly, gluten-free, high protein type of food. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan. Love the team over there. Uh, I even invested in them. So I am all on board for Elite Sweets. Um, I just really believe in what they're doing, really believe in their mission, and honestly, their food is really good. It's one thing that's really important to me is, is that the food has to be good. And uh, I really believe in the team over there and what they're building. So give Elite Sweets a chance. Try yours today at EliteDonut.com or Amazon. Like I said, use code ShaneWhite30 for 30% off. All right, everybody. Today's episode is in a, a round two episode with Chris Mead, who is the founder of CrossNet. If you guys don't know what CrossNet is now, uh, it's definitely grown a ton in popularity since I had Chris on the last time, which I think was a little over a year ago. Uh, CrossNet is really this cross between um, volleyball and four square. So it's basically a net that is diced into four squares and you're playing you know, one-on-one or they have doubles nets. We'll get all into what it is. But Chris, really, I wanted to have him on again. He's a great founder. He's found a way to create a D2C business that has high profitability um, and is scaling not just in the U.S., but globally now. So crazy smart young man who uh, I actually, you know, he's got, and we can add some links to the, to the show notes, but he's got some uh, new, he's got a newsletter now that he also shares with just e-commerce tips. Long story short, and you'll pick up on it in the uh, podcast. He's just a really smart guy who has done it himself, right? He's actually done the work of building a D2C business. So he's he's full of great information. Um, I think you guys will really, really like this. If you do like this, I even suggest going back 
and listening to our first episode. Um, our first episode, you can tell how much he's grown. So our first episode, we actually filmed on March 12th, 2021. So literally ex- almost exactly a year later, uh, he was my 32nd founder in the founder series. So definitely check him out. All right, everybody, without further ado, give it up for Chris Mead. All right, Chris, welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you? Indeed. Thanks for having me back on. Absolutely. For everyone listening who doesn't know who Chris Mead is, Chris, uh, would you mind just giving everyone a quick introduction to you and CrossNet? That's it. Uh, yeah, I'm Chris, founder, co-founder, excuse me, of CrossNet, the world's first four-way volleyball game. So yeah, we invented a four-way volleyball net back in 2017 that has changed my life for the better. And uh, yeah, it's been a fun run. I can't believe it's been that long. 2017 is when you started it? For some reason, I thought it was later than that. Wow. Well, 2017 was the inception of the baby. And then we we launched it in 2018. So first sales year was 2018, but it took a good year of planning. Sure. Yeah, I remember that last time. Yeah, for everyone listening, Chris has been on here once before. We did, I think, a little over a year ago. Um, But I feel like you guys have just exploded since since I saw you last and talked yeah, to you last. Yeah, it's been a good year. Been yeah, good I mean, year. I was just even scrolling through Instagram yesterday. Your guys' is CrossNet Instagram, and it's like, didn't you guys acquire another company? We can get all into this, but I saw yeah. you guys have acquired a company. You guys have been in the news a ton of times. You guys, like, partnered with USA Volleyball. Like, you've done some, like, pretty stuff. incredible stuff since we talked last. So it's really fun to have you back on, man. It's been a good year. Very busy. For sure. So what? I guess just to back up, um, you explain what it is. Would you mind giving everyone who didn't listen to the first one just a real brief, just like how you came up with it? Like, where did this concept come from and how did you yeah. guys decide to actually create a product? Yeah, so I was uh, I was working at Uber. I was helping launch Uber Eats in Rhode Island, Boston. Cool job, making good money. One of those things where you just wake up and you're like, oh shit, I got to go to work today and cold call people for eight hours. I'm like that kind of sucks, right? But yeah. uh, <laughs> so that was, that was my life every day. And it was good. Like I was making good money. I was sitting on beanbag chairs and like petting dogs, right? Like kind of that corporate, (laughs) like Silicon Valley vibe, which was dope when you're 24, 25. Um, But I knew it just wasn't something that I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I felt like I was in a job where, all right, cool. You go to your boss in eight eight months to a year and you say, hey, I need 10 grand more. Or, hey, I jump to another job and get another 20 grand. It's like, oh, do I just leave jobs every year to get like a 20K pay raise, right? Um, So I was kind of over that. And then one night we had the idea for four-way volleyball and we were kind of like, we assumed somebody had done it. We had assumed like a big toy company was already manufacturing it and we just weren't aware because we weren't volleyball players or anything like that. We grew up playing basketball. Okay. And we checked Google and nobody had done it. And we're like, what the hell? How is this not a thing? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Next morning we woke up, went to Walmart, rigged up two badminton nets, cut out the center, just kind of like rigged it up in my mom's backyard texted all the friends, said, yo, come over. We got an idea. And we just made up rules on the spot. We combined uh, Foursquare, which is a childhood recess game. And we combined volleyball, keep the ball alive. It was essentially keep the ball alive, right? Don't let the ball land in your square. Spike it as hard as you can. Do all the cool, fun moves that you possibly can and get the ball in your friend's square. And after like four hours of playing, we're like, dude, nobody complained about their girlfriends. Nobody complained <laughs> about work. Nobody looked at their phone. 
And we felt like we were kids, but we're all 25, 26, 27. Like, this is great. Yeah. Oh, that's and a cool point. That doesn't yeah, happen very so often, that was, right? uh, that was the proof of concept. Like, there was no, like, all this business stuff you see these days, like test groups and focus groups and all that. It was just, did we have fun? Yes. Okay. Now, why wouldn't everybody else in America find this fun, too? Sure. And that makes a ton of sense. And I remember from our last conversation, I was really intrigued by the way you guys actually went about manufacturing it. And I remember you had a supplier over, and I think it was China, if I remember correctly. Um, how has all of that evolved over the last year? I actually was thinking of you guys a few months ago, just through all this crazy supply chain issues. Has that been like a huge issue for you guys as you continue to scale this year? Yeah, so last year when we were talking, we were like scaling to a lot of different manufacturers because we couldn't keep up with the demand. Yeah. Um, we kind of made a, a ridiculous amount of product. And so now it's like chilling, collecting dust in our warehouse. So hindsight's 2020, we probably overordered in okay. anticipation for all the craziness that happened. So we pretty much were just like, yo, make as much as possible. And now we're well stocked up, which is great because now somebody like we closed Olympia Sports yesterday, which is a great account. For oh, us. wow. Congrats. Yeah, so they could, they, thank you. So they could come in and be like, yo, I want a thousand or whatever. And it's no sweat off my back, right? We have the inventory. Sure. But from a cash flow perspective, we're like, oh shit, like maybe we shouldn't have all this inventory. But yeah, grow, growing pains. Of it course. might have honestly, it's funny to think in hindsight. I wonder if that was a blessing in disguise. Like, you know what I mean? Because if you guys would have been trying to get product over here the last six months and you of were course. Yeah. facing it, demand, that probably would have been a whole other problem. Fine balance. Yeah. We've kind of learned that we want to do like anywhere from four to six inventory inventory turns a year. So we want to, you always want to just have enough. Yeah. Not too much. It's just a nice fine balance that we're always working on improving. Um, but to go back to your question, we started working with all these manufacturers just to meet demand, ended up finding one really good one uh, to consolidate everything. It's much easier to just work with one partner as yeah. long as they have the demand. Uh, it's kind of funny when you start an e-commerce, internet business, you have your stuff manufactured in China and you, you just think of it, oh, it's China, right? They can just make as much as possible, like like yeah it's, it's kind of weird like you don't think of it like the human aspect of it sure. and then you finally hit capacity at a factory and you're like oh shit there's capacity like that i didn't even know that's a thing like so, there's, uh, we can't we're making so many cross nets that yeah. they can't keep up that's pretty cool i'm sure that was i mean not great news but good kind of a wild feeling i'm sure exactly yeah so eventually we found one factory that kind of could hit demand gave us the best terms good communication uh so we've kind of consolidated everything to one per place right now and then some of our various SKUs, like our H2O model and our indoor, uh, they're made at other factories and then we consolidate like containers and stuff like that. Got it. It's still all overseas though for now? Correct. Yeah. yeah. And we definitely have as kind of supply chain has been nuts. We've tried to source it here in the States. We've tried to source it in Mexico. Um, it's just the same conversation. Our cogs go up three, four X, like just nowhere close i mean we'd be selling a 150 game for 500 bucks at that isn't point. that crazy it's just it so crazy how different the pricing is even with all the supply chain issues it's still that way yeah it really sucks because i mean it would nothing would make me happier than being an american-made company and not having to deal with cargo sh like waiting for freight for 90 days or getting stuff locked at the port and customs but yeah i mean it's just not a possibility at the current moment Right. Got it. Yeah. I mean, when you guys are getting to a scale, do any, and this is me totally being ignorant to your industry, but is, is your, like, when I think of other like toy manufacturers or game manufacturers, um, do any of them like vertically integrate? Like, do any of them really own their supply chain? Is that like a thing at scale that ever happens? Or is it always usually 
pretty outsourced. Yeah. That's a good question that I don't really have the answer to. I'm assuming like somebody like a Hasbro, right? They probably own a factory out there. That's kind of um, what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, no, nah, but everyone we're working with at least is just like Sporting Nets company, right? And they're just, okay. like, they're just making a four-way volleyball net. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm sure like that'd be my aspiration, right? If we got to be a hundred million dollar company, like own your own factory. Oh, hell yeah. Right. How cool would that be? Didn't you control everything? Yeah. Exactly. That would just make your life so much simpler. Yeah. Um, for you guys too, in this last year, since we chatted, um, you actually, I think you actually might've hinted to the US vo- USA volleyball partnership to some degree, but yeah. when that came to light, what was that like? Because pretty I remember dope, dude. Pretty, it's crazy. Pretty like sick. I think you had, you had, you came up with like a backyard game that's now tied in with like essentially the biggest volleyball organization in the, in yeah. the US, I mean, right? In my eyes, it's like the NBA giving you a co-sign, right? hundred percent. a basketball product. Yeah, it's cool. So, uh, I mean, that deal is, it's a four-year deal. We're essentially uh, able to go to all their events, set up a booth, like we're the official four-way volleyball game of USA Volleyball. We get to use their logo on our packaging and all of our out-of-home advertising, like billboards, any type oh, wow. of marketing. So yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a great deal. We also get some digital email sends through them. So we get exposure to their network, which believe it or not, are very good CrossNet customers. So yeah, uh, yeah so it, it's good. Yeah, it's definitely a, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a crazy, it's wild, right? Like it was a, something we were slain in my mom's garage five years ago. And now it's the uh, USA Volleyball giving us our lo- their logo to like work to, in tandem. So yeah, crazy feeling. Very good. It's super cool, man. Um, first of all, congrats. That's, yeah, that was huge. And nice. then I think the other one that you maybe mentioned that I saw come to life was, was it ESPN that you guys had? Like yeah. a, you had a tournament on ESPN? Yeah, we had a 30 minute tournament on ESPN. It was our yeah. doubles tournament. Yeah, ESPN reached out. They're like, yo, you want a 30 minute slot on our show? And we're like, yeah, of course we'll take a 30 minute slot. So uh, that was that was a fun one because they didn't pay us money, which would have been sweet. But uh, yeah. <laughs> they were like, hey, we got 30 minutes. Uh, go make a TV ready production. So we had to hire a production crew and all of that. Oh, wow. And so that wasn't yes, their guys. You had to like no, figure that out too. So Who they, figured they that out? Was it, were you a part of that? Yeah, so they had recommendations, and we actually ended up getting in contact with somebody who did, like, a lot of uh, pickleball tournaments and all these, like, kind of niche sports. So he had, like, expertise on how to film these things and do it well. So, uh, and his, his, his price was right, right? So, uh, yeah, yeah, we made this beautiful 30-minute production. We rented out the Chula Vista Olympic, so the Olympic training session where all the Olympic athletes trained. Oh, wow. Beautiful center out in San Diego. Well, it's Chula Vista, California. And it's amazing. So we rented out this whole sand court for the day. Uh, had five cross net doubles nets. We had about 30 teams show up, all co-ed. And uh, yeah, we had teams fighting for a $10,000 cash prize. It's beautiful. That is so cool, man. Yeah, so I remember was, seeing it and watched it. I thought it was the coolest thing. It was sick. Yeah. So that was good. I mean, it, it presented a whole more challenges, right? Like it was our first event at a big scale right. cash prize. We had refs come in, like the professional volleyball refs came in for the day. Oh, wow. We had to make a huge, like 200 page rule book, like guidebook, because I mean, people are so serious when 20 bucks is on the line, let alone $10,000. Yeah, so. right. Yeah, so it was cool. We had to really button things up for the company within like 30 days because we were, we were going really quickly. But yeah, it came out great. Um, hopefully we'll be back on ESPN this year, potentially. And it's just a, another, I think the biggest thing when you start a business is like, 
where do you get those trust badges, right? You get it from yeah. ESPN, you get it from USA Volleyball, you get it from the Forbes and the Ellen Show and all that. So keep piling those things up and they're easier to come as you get more recognition. Oh, I bet. Yeah, yeah, like getting that first domino to fall, right? Kind exactly. of like starts the whole trail. Was it, so it's so interesting, like thinking from a business perspective, when you guys like evaluated the ESPN opportunity, I'm sure it was obviously marketing. And did you guys think like, okay, if we spend X on production, X on the, 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 you know, the cash prize, the referees getting us all out there and then kind of try to figure out like, okay, how many cross tests do we think we can sell from this 30 minute spot? And is it worth it? Is that kind of how you guys did it? I think that's how a good marketer would have thought about it for us. It was more like, it was more like, this is ESPN. Any hundred percent, any kid who has ever invented a sport or made up something in their head and the biggest body of like recognition comes to you and says, Hey, I got 30 minutes for you. I think you just figure it out as long as the price tag is within reason, which it was. Okay. And uh, yeah. Did we make our money back on that ESPN event? Hell no. But is that logo and this conversation going to get me indoors that are going to lock more revenue? Absolutely. A hundred percent. No, yeah. you're smart. I mean, that, that's a great way to think about it. Um, yeah. I mean, to your good, good point. Like if you, anyone that started any sport, if you said no to ESPN, you'd be slapping yourself later. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the other one I'm trying to think? Oh, I know what it was. Um, I remember watching one of the early Dave Portnoy, uh, one of his, whatever his podcast is called. Same Dave situation. Show. Yeah. Same I, situation, I was curious but... how that worked. Cause I literally did last night. I was scrolling through you guys, Instagram and I resaw that clip and I remember watching it live and I was like, Oh, Chris, nice. Fuck yeah. yeah. They've got CrossNet <laughs> on there on here. That's awesome. Yeah. So we did five uh, podcast reads with them. So as much as I'd love for that to be organic, uh, those were paid for paid, paid uh, 30 second ad reads. Barstool guys crushed it. They make it seem so organic and, and really well done. So kudos to them. Uh, they all had discount codes that we could track revenue. Oh, nice. I could say that we probably came about like 50% to what we, like we probably got 50% what we actually paid for it. So we didn't, okay. it wasn't ROI positive, but it's kind of like one of those things, right? It's, I got Dave talking about it. I could turn it into a cool ad or, Hey, I could leverage it to get something else. So I'm sure that stuff too, like the clips, you can read market it on social yeah, and exactly it's, it's one of those things where i think as the brand keeps getting bigger we kind of allocate definitely not a full percentage of revenue but i just a, a small slush fund to just brand activity yeah and it's just kind of a gut feeling of hey we have dave portnoy one of the most important people in the internet talking about your brand for 30 seconds or a minute it's just one of those things you do. And, as and long he was as- like excited about it too. Like it wasn't yeah. even like, to your point, it wasn't like you could tell he was reading off a script. It was exactly very organic. Yeah. So I think it's kind of things like that, right? We just did the Ellen DeGeneres show. Oh, uh, nice. Is- I didn't see that. I heard yeah, you say we that. Did, but I didn't we it. did the Ellen show uh, last month, which was great, right? Like you got Ellen talking about CrossNet, pitting a volleyball in the air. Like, Oh, so cool. she actually like was like playing with it and testing it out. Yeah. Right well, now. she was playing with the ball. So she's tapping a ball up in the air. So that, that was kind of frustrating because she said that she was going to be using it and she didn't use it. So, okay. Well, kind of annoying, but yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah so I, I think you just still cool. Right. Do they have a CrossNet set up at, on her show? They were supposed to, they oh. just had a, a video in the background of it running. So Got it. okay. those are All kind right. of like learning experiences when you do PR, like, yeah, super frustrating. But no, it, I mean, still, we were on the Ellen show. Like, yeah. Cool, cool. Next time you got to go. Next time you got to go out there and play with her. Just right. Exactly. That's the ball. But yeah. No, but forth. you see on, on those things, you see a good little spike on Amazon too, which is nice. So that's kind of what I figured. Good digital traffic coming in for the day. 
Yeah, no, I bet. I was going to say for you guys too. I remember last time we chatted, like obviously your D to C site was huge. Amazon was important. And I, I know you were unlocking doors like Dick Sporting Goods and a lot of like the big sports retailers. Yeah. What's the last year kind of look like as far as where the growth has come from? I think for people listening, I know obviously a lot of the brands I've had on Amazon has been enormous. Um, what's it look like for you guys? Yeah, Amazon's continuing to be big. Wholesale just keeps blowing up, right? We just, uh, we got Sam's Club on this year, which is going to oh, be Oh, wow. Congrats. Yeah, That's great, enormous. Great account. Um, Olympia Sports, like I just said, it just, can, the wholesale really continues to grow where D2C continues to kind of scale down as the more retail stores and, and that's fine right like yeah. we're kind of which is interesting right because we're getting much more sales offline than online but the majority of our advertising is online yeah is so pri- it, how is pricing though i mean because I, I know like at rx bar when i was there that's that was what we saw like as we got into sam's costco walmart like d2c shrunk and sometimes i think it's just because of pricing people like just think even if they're not getting a better deal they think they're getting a better deal at club and in big mm-hmm. box sometimes yeah so with sam's we're making an exclusive product it's a it's pairing the doubles net which is the long version with the single one so we're doing oh, something cool. exclusive for sam's but no pricing is the same i think it comes down to well they have to pay for shipping but okay. they get free shipping sure. on amazon i think it just has to come down to convenience right like if you think you need a cross net it's probably because you want to play in your backyard right now or you're going on a beach vacation yeah so sure. you, you want that impulse buy and uh, I mean, we're in like 3,500 stores. So like, it's wow. not too hard to find like a local retailer to pick it up, you know? Yeah, so. no, that makes sense. Yeah, true. Like a, like a Sam's Club, if that's growing, I mean, have, have, we can all say if we go to Sam's or Costco, like you end up leaving there with, you know, a hundred, yeah, yeah. $200, whatever. I extra went there amount. yesterday, I had $400. Per, I didn't even mean to spend 400 I went for grocery bags. Like. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> happens every yeah. time. It's exactly. like the trickiest place. I have yeah, to go in there with a specific list. And if I go off the list at all i know i'm screwed i know yeah, i'm spending no, so 100 percent. but yeah so that's been fun um i think the biggest thing this year is kind of shifting uh ddc dollars to more in-store so trying to work with the stores and a lot of people are like oh just like spend money at the retail locations but you can't really do that unless the stores are receptive to you spending money at their store sure. like not every store is willing to give you an end cap not every store is willing to like put a pallet like on the floor has to like build those relationships up so Fortunately, we've been at it for almost five years now. So like we're starting to build rapport with the buyers, which is cool. Um, so that's kind of the plans this year. And then also just tracking like online spend much better. Before it was like, here's a good example, right? January is slow for us. If January revenue is down by 30% on direct to consumer, our marketing spend on direct to consumer better also be down 30%. Yeah. Those things better stay in line together. Because there's nothing worse than being at, at your marketing spend goal, but your revenue is behind 30% because that doesn't help with profitability. Yeah. So those are kind of things that we're really buttoning up. And like we have weekly meetings showing like spend to actuals. And I mean, it just, it seems so obvious now as like a, what a mature company would do. But when you're a lean e-commerce business with like 10 employees, like it's tough to be buttoned yeah. up and polished like that. Even a year ago, you guys were hustling. I mean, it wasn't, yeah. a, it was a way smaller team, right? Um, yeah. How are you guys, I was say, is it really just like, how are you guys achieving that? Is it just tracking and now you have a team that puts things together and you guys look at it every week? Is that, yeah, kind of we got like 20 employees now. Um, wow. Yeah, which is cool. And That's like, it's like what? Yeah, I mean, you had, I think you had less than 10 when I talked to you last time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're growing really quickly. Uh, we use a tool called Triple Whale, which is really cool for, for like kind of just tracks all of our spend, money in versus money out. 
and we'll get Love a nice it. report every week. Sorry, every day, excuse me. Um, and then you have to take the Amazon sales and the retail sales and kind of compile it. And the way we're looking at it is on a, on a weekly basis, spend versus actuals. And if we're in the green and at our target numbers, scale it up. Yeah. I love it. Simple and, and to the point. I, I feel like that makes a ton of sense. Exactly. How has it been for you uh, growing the team so much? That's always a huge challenge for anyone. I think. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I think it's really important to hire for your weaknesses. Like clearly identify the things you suck at and then add that to the team. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think our biggest weakness last year was our operations where we do all of our own fulfillment and we've heard, we've learned like hard lessons, like labels being no, not to anyone. Like we're just trying to learn, right. Uh, for anybody not in this world, the vendors will send you a routing guide. That's like 150 pages on a PDF. And it's just the most dry, boring material you'll ever read. And then snuck on page 54 is like the label needs to be one inch instead of one and a half inches high. And then they'll hit you with like a $50,000 chargeback. Oh yes. So, uh, yes. I've seen yeah. this. Hiring, hiring for operations and hiring for people who are very like on the money has been super important to save us money. And now that that is built up and we have a nice army over there. Okay. Uh, so now it's kind of building up the marketing and sales team, which was always a strength of ours. Uh, but now I think not, not, I wouldn't say weakness, but it's just kind of the next place we address, right? Is how do we improve? Love it. No, that's wild. I mean, I know um, from RX, I just remember always getting hit with fees that we were just like, what the hell is this? And then yeah. exactly, you dive into something and figure it out. And you're like, wait, we're getting charged how much for that? Exactly. Which seems like the smallest thing for people who don't know anything about logistics. It's crazy sometimes what some of these yeah. vendors charge. Absolutely wild. And for you guys, are you all still remote 100%? Yeah, we've always been 100% remote, still remote. Uh, in a perfect world, I'd love an office with our team, but dude, everyone's spread out. Like we'd have to literally blow up the whole company and restart from scratch. Yeah. Do you, th- I mean, no, it's really interesting talking to founders who have developed teams over the last few years remote, um, especially with the way COVID changed everything. Do you, I mean, do you think there's ever going to be a time you guys have an office now at this point? Does it make sense? No, I mean, at this point for this company, like everyone's remote, like, like I said, I'd have to fire everybody and restart uh, yeah. from scratch. I'm not going to force people to move their whole lives. Um, I do know when we are all together, like we had an offsite in Tampa where you had like eight of the executives come and we just grinded for five days and we got more done in five days than we'd get in a month so i definitely am not pro this work from home environment like i know we'd be much more efficient in an office but it's just kind of the the hand that we've been dealt and the company that we've built so it is what it is yeah that makes sense good mentality to have too um it's funny right it's uh it's a whole different world now especially especially companies who got used to being remote and people, I know so many people I used to work with who just like moved during COVID and now they're like, Oh wait, I'm not coming back there for the office, but it is weird because the office dynamic, there's so much like banter and like quick conversations that like, you don't like hop on Slack or even just hop on zoom to talk about. And I think that also like as an, as a founder and also like still a bootstrapped company, I think it, it would help with accountability, right? Like there's a lot of employees I don't talk to. And sadly, it's kind of the mindset of like, if I don't talk to you, are you actually working? But like, that's a shitty mindset to have. But if yeah. things are slower, if a department's going down or something bad's happening, my thing is like, oh, is that person actually working 40 hours a week? Where if we were in an office, you know. I don't want to be like that, like strict, like micromanager, but like, there's also that accountability. Like, are, are people actually working that 40 hours that they're getting paid for? Or are they working 20 and just on their phone when they need to be? 
Right. Do no. you do you feel like there's um do you guys have like a balance? Like are most people working like normal nine to five or do you have people kind yeah. of flexing like all over the place? No, I'm, most people are nine to five. I mean, I'm always the type of like, I've been trying to build, build a company where, yo, if you want to go to the gym at one o'clock in the afternoon, that's fine. Just work till six that day. Like no problem. Don't even message me. I don't give a shit as long as you're showing up for the, your meetings. Right. And if you're yeah. not going to through your meeting, tell me why. Um, so I definitely, it's important to build a culture like that, but at the same time, you, it's important to also not get taken advantage of, right? Because we are sure. young. We're not like 60-year-old strict bosses who like are just cutthroat, right? Like right. I'm just a nice kid, right? Who did a four-way volleyball net. But at the same time, you need to respect me as a boss. You need to be accountable and you need to be working your ass off. Right, right. So. Yeah, no, it's tough. It's a tough dynamic. And then yeah. to your point, you don't want to like, you don't want to like, you know, be checking everyone. Like, are are you live on Slack? Are you live? Can I see your, are you, is your computer open? Like, yeah, yeah. that's not, that's not, that's not efficient for you or the team, I'm sure. But it sounds exactly. like you guys have kind of figured it out. I mean, are you yeah, guys? Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's just kind of the growing pains of being a remote company. Yeah. But I'm sure every other boss kind of feels the same way at some and, point or another. And I, I don't think we talked about this last time. I'm always curious with founders. Are you, do you try, we talked about it a little bit before uh, we started recording, but do you try are you kind of, are you, is your like leadership team the kind that's just like, it seems like you're on all of the time. Do you guys try to like balance work and life and like turn it off sometimes and, and have kind of like guardrails where you guys know you're trying not to bug each other or how does that, how do you guys built that's that? That's a good question, time? man. I think it, I think each founder is a little bit different, right? Like for me, I typically don't work Saturday and Sunday. Like I'm just off, right? Like don't even talk to me about work. Okay. Um, of course I'm thinking about it, right? There's no way to stop thinking about my company. Um, but Saturday and Sunday, my laptop is in the same spot that I left it on Friday at five o'clock, Got it. Um, which nice. is important to me. I try my best to be done work by five o'clock every day. Um, there's times where, of course, I need to jump online and do something for an hour or whatever, or meeting gets scheduled late. But yeah, I'm on, I wake up at eight o'clock. Sadly, it's the first damn thing I think about after I walk the dog and I'm, I'm in the trenches till five o'clock and I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I, I mean, of course, like my brother will be texting me last night at 11 o'clock. I'm watching Netflix and I'm like, dude, this is a conversation for tomorrow. <laughs> and I, yeah, I think in the beginning, like you're grinding, like the mentality is like grind, 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 work till 2 a.m., which is cool, but eventually it just burns yourself out. Like let's, let's save it for tomorrow, bro. Let's, yeah. You got me from nine to five tomorrow. Let's talk about work. If you want to be my brother, sure. Be my brother at 11 o'clock at night. Send me Netflix shows. Love that. No, that's yeah. cool, man. I forgot because I forgot your brother's also a co-founder, right? So exactly. you, got, you got that yeah. going. I get the family dynamic. Exactly. Yeah. So that's tough. Yeah. Especially from the family dynamics, like you want your brother and I want just my brother. I don't want work brother. Like I want just my brother who loves me and wants to talk about the Knicks. Right. So like, that's like, it's hard. It, you got to keep those things balanced. For sure. How have you guys tried to keep that balance? I think for anyone listening who's in business with family, that's got to be, you know, it's got to be, it's always a tough dynamic, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it has its pros and cons, right? Because like for us, we could just, if it was another partner, sometimes you got to sugarcoat shit or you got to be delicate about the way you say stuff or like, oh, I got to plan this meeting at the end of the week that I'm nervous about talking. And with Greg, I could just pick up the phone and like chew his ear out and like, it'll get ugly for 15 minutes, but at the end of the day, we'll be fine by the end of the day, you know? Sure. So it's, that's great. Uh, setting boundaries, like you said, right? Like he, he likes to grind a little bit more lately than I do, but like, yo, work ends at five or six for me. If you have something very important, let me know. Otherwise you can save it to the next day and just setting those boundaries. And of course he tries to stress that sometimes like 
tries to push it at 11 o'clock, text me about work. And I'm like, dude, there's just no shot I'm working right now. Like tomorrow. <laughs> so yeah. you, you just kind of got to set that. And eventually people just understand that. Makes sense. Do you, does it ever make you feel, how do I frame this? Do you, do you ever feel like um, behind? Like, I guess if you have someone who's grinding at 11, do you feel like when you wake up, you need to like, shit, do I need to catch up? Or have you guys created a good culture where it's like, no, just sometimes people are hot on something and yeah. you want to work on it now. And that's a good I question. Know. Like I, I know right now I'm looking at my inbox. I got like 22 emails because I didn't work yesterday. And uh, so I, I feel behind in the moment. I just think we have the, the company has ebbs and flows of like when some departments are super stressed. Like right now, I know my supply chain guy who handles all of our like Dick's and Walmart orders. I know he's chilling right now. He's probably at the beach with his girlfriend because he has no orders going out today. But I okay. know in two weeks from now, he has over 50 orders that need to be routed within like seven days. So like he's going to be busting his ass, like preparing labels, like going hard the next two weeks. Yeah. Right now he's kind of chilling. And I just launched a new CrossNet website and there's tons of things wrong with it. So like whenever I have downtime, it's fixing the website and I'm kind of under stress until that's done. And then for me, sure. I mean, I'm, I'm always trying to find the next fire to put out. Yeah, no, for sure. And that makes sense. I didn't know you guys launched a new website. It's exciting. Yeah, we just launched it last week and yeah, it looks good, but there's definitely things that need to be improved. Did you guys, where did, what did you pick to use Shopify or what do you? What yeah, do you so we're, we're on Shopify, um, kind of we're on Shopify plus right now, which is good, but uh, it's like $2,000 a month or maybe a little bit more. Oh, wow. I'm kind of thinking we may downgrade just knowing that a good majority of our revenue is wholesale and Amazon only. So what do you, what do you get out of Shopify plus? Like, I guess when I built my first Shopify, I think it was like 30 bucks a month. Yeah, exactly. So there's like $30 a month. I think there's like a 250, don't quote me on this, but like a $250 tier, maybe 350. And then there's this grand tier, uh, with the grand tier, you're getting access to a Shopify rep that you have literally like on a minute's notice, he'll email you back and like plug you with anything that's wrong or your site's broken or you need help. Oh, wow. Um, you'll get, you get lower processing fees which is nice. Nice At scale um, you, that actually probably yeah. pay for itself. You have better utility, like in the, in the themes, like you have more customizable settings, which is nice. And then you also have the ability to like duplicate stores. And we just launched in Australia and we, Oh launched, yeah. Congrats yeah. on that too. I just can't keep up with all the great yeah. growth. <laughs> and we had a, can, yeah. And we have a Canadian <laughs> website too. So it makes like scaling globally easier. Um, but it's a $1,700 cost right now compared to the $300 plan. Is it worth it? So I'm kind of debating back and forth right now. Got it. Got it. And that's one thing I don't think, if I remember correctly, I don't think you guys had launched in, in any other countries yet. Do you, it, whether you did, whether you did or you didn't, like a Canadian site and an Australian site, are you guys, you have like a fulfillment center in each of those countries that your you yeah. know, orders are going so through? In Canada, we have a small warehouse and we have one worker who just ships product there. And then in Australia, we have a 3PL which took a long time to find. Wow. Believe it or not, you actually can't make an Australian, you know how easy it is to make a USA website, right? Like we make one by the time this zooms over. Sure. Australia, you have to have a business license from the government to make a website. Really? Which is really interesting. So it took us like six months to get like an approved Australian business license. What uh, happens if you don't? You can't make a website. But if you did, oh, you like, like physically can't? Physically can't make a website. Whoa, how did I... I didn't know they could control that. That's yeah. great. I guess, I mean, China does that too. So I guess, yeah. Right. No. Yeah, yeah. So that was pretty nuts. So wow. yeah, it took us a while to get our business license over there. And uh, it's probably a barrier to entry uh, to a lot of brands in general. Yeah. So now we got 365 days of sunshine to advertise to. That's uh, super cool for you guys. Wow. 
Yeah, it is. It was interesting though, because I mean, of course, now they are super locked down with COVID. Yeah. Um, so making my grand plan of advertising in the sunshine right now a bit difficult, but yeah, because I know Australia is like crazy locked down, right? Like, I don't think they're even are they even allowed to like be at the beach and everything? It's uh, like I mean, nuts. They, they bear, I mean, there's a few like provinces. I think that's the technical term for them, but uh, yeah. whatever it is. But yeah, there's a few cities or whatever that can are a little bit more flexible, but some of them like you're getting like a ticket if you leave your house. So it's like, yikes, that yeah. makes it tough for CrossNet, right? Because I mean, I would assume Australia would be an enormous market for you guys. Yeah, I would think so too. And uh, from November to December, like we started and we're crushing, it was going so well. And then these COVID lockdowns happen and boom. So yeah, it's kind of going to bleed out. Can't really fight the government, you know? Yeah, it doesn't work very well, does it? <laughs> What are there? Um, I'm trying to think what, what are some other huge markets for you guys? Like after you get Australia up and running that you guys want to go after, is there, yeah, there... We just got off a call with, uh, our massive European distributor. So we signed a huge distributor, uh, out in Europe that will handle all the European countries. They actually are importing, I want to say 2,500 cross nets. Wow. Congrats. Uh, and yeah. And they're importing cross net for soccer. So our soccer version sweet so i was gonna uh, say your soccer version's got to be huge over there right i mean it yeah, yeah well it's gonna be huge yeah for sure so they'll be the first person to carry that and a uh, great market to test obviously in europe oh yeah, so, how, yeah does it work? how does the soccer version work again is it like you yeah, kick so it's, it over? it's just crossing it on the floor you kick it over trap head to just work on juggling yeah uh for me i i personally think it's gonna be more of like a training tool for gym classes and teachers and camps and clinics however I mean, soccer is much bigger of a market here than volleyball is. So like, who am I to say it doesn't become even more popular than the normal cross net. So we'll see. Yeah, sure. Uh, I just want to come in with kind of realistic expectations before, you know. Yeah. Well, and I know we're, we, we are running low on time. So the one other thing I really wanted to ask you was um, how did you guys get to, and I, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the name, but the, the partnership or was it the acquisition you guys did with the basketball goal company? Oh yeah. So that wasn't uh we just invested in the business. So we didn't acquire it. I wish it, I had okay. enough money to acquire it. Uh, but uh, <laughs> no, I, I mean, just as basketball kid, like we all grew up playing basketball together. Basketball is what we go out and do when we have free time. Right. So like sure. uh, Tim from U-Ball, which is a, a portable basketball hoop. That U-Ball, that's what it sand. is. Yeah. yeah. So you set up in the sand or grass. Uh, it's like handball, but basketball, no dribbling, just two steps and then passing dunk and shoot. It's all, it's so much damn fun and great workout. When you guys posted uh, that, I was like, this is awesome. Like yeah. what a great, like a good combination. Like, you of know course. I mean? like it's great for you but guys. He, and he's inventing a sport. He's doing everything we did just about five years afterwards. So he's kind of looked at us as like trailblazers, right. And like sure. kind of leading the way in our space. And yeah, I mean, it was just synergy right off the rip. Like we could help with production. We could help with importing marketing, doing everything we've done for CrossNet, doing it for him. Very so, cool. Yeah, we acquired a, a little chunk of his business and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll help him out. Like right now we're working on how to get the product into big sporting goods. So it's cool. Good. I mean, that's, yeah, that's enormous. Are there more people like that that you guys have identified? Like, you don't have to tell, say who it is or what oh, companies yeah, they are, but are there a absolutely. lot of people trying to kind of do the same thing? I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's definitely some. Um, we've actually had one person come to us with a really cool idea. Uh, he had, and you'll, you'll see more about this within the next six months, I promise Sweet. you, but came to us with an amazing idea. It was nothing but a, a backyard game that him and his family had played for 10 years. And he was getting to be like, you know, in his thirties, he's like, I'm never going to do anything with this. 
are you guys interested in it? So like we license it off of him. Oh, and it'll cool. Be, it'll be a new product for us soon. Um, oh, good. And good for you. Good for him. That's sweet. Yeah. So, so stay tuned on that. But yeah, we see a lot of people now coming to us and pitching us, which is yeah. just kind of wild. Wild. Oh yeah. And for him. So I would love to know that for that guy. Yep. How did he like protect, like, not that you guys would steal it, obviously, yeah. but like how, how, when you're someone like, if, if someone listening is like, oh, I have an idea for Chris, how does yeah. someone like protect the idea? Yeah. So typically it's kind of like an, uh, in this situation, right. It was an NDA. Like we had a first initial concept called, like call. We signed an NDA, kind of signed an agreement saying, Hey, we won't rip your product. Got and it. then from there, um, he sent us over samples. We fell in love with it. So uh, cool. He, he kind of, uh, he had his like price sheet of like how much he thought it would cost to make and how much it cost him to make like his made up bodega version from home Depot. Okay. And, uh, we're like, all right, let's go take it to China and actually price it out. Found the price. Uh, we kind of came to an agreement of, Hey, this is our landed cost. This is our suggested retail cost, And we'll give you a, like a royalty fee on it. Right. And we'll cap that royalty at like a certain number. So you're not becoming a trillionaire off this, but Hey, you may make an extra 200 grand a year. And that, amazing right yeah. and uh, and yeah so that's kind of how those relationships work and we're open to any kind of cool innovative game and yeah there's a there's definitely gonna be another podcast we'll be chatting about a lot of cool shit in like six months from now so stay love tuned. it man uh, we'll keep on coming this is yeah. awesome that's badass very yeah. cool i didn't know that and I, but when i saw the u-ball thing i kind of like was sparks i'm like yeah oh, i wish i wish we would have got the 100 percent rights to u-ball i'll tell you that <laughs> hey there's still time exactly. there's still time no, but they're both very cool. Awesome. Uh, you guys are just doing lots of cool stuff, man. I think you guys are, uh, like, I mean, you said he called you guys trailblazers, but you guys have become like, you're just, you're doing a lot of the right things in my eyes. Like you're just, it, you're just seems like you're everywhere. You're going on everything you can and you're yeah. such a small team still really. I mean, even 20 people yeah. being everywhere you are, it's badass. So congrats on all the success from this last Appreciate year. It, it's really cool. Um, as we wind down the last, I asked you these last time, but I'd love to know if anything has changed or evolved. Um, one of the last questions I always ask is, uh, as a, you know, as a co-founder of a, of a growing and blossoming company, what do you use to, you know, keep track of your goals and ultimately like plan your daily tasks? So like, what do you use to get shit done? Whether it's pen and paper apps. I don't remember what you said last time, but curious what yeah. you use now. We just started working with Basecamp. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we were on Notion. Uh, Notion's really great uh, for e-commerce, but it was a little bit too complicated, especially as we onboarded like 60-year-old employees who okay. are not the most tech savvy. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> something like basic, like Basecamp works really well and more affordable. Um, so Basecamp works good for my personal life, dude, like Notepad. I just use notes on my phone. Like, I mean, I use Basecamp for my team to collaborate and like plan like they're when I have tasks for them. But yeah. no, it's just a simple, I don't have a piece of paper in sight. It's just my phone. Like, okay. You know, I wake up, I have my calendar planned out. I, I know the shit I got to do, but it's really just mental. Like I know the only, the big win today is fix the website. As long as the website's 5% better than it was today, I'll leave today pretty happy. See, that's, that's key. I think that, that's how I work too. I, I, I like have a few key things. If I get those done, it's a good day. Type yeah. Of I think that was actually a big, sorry. Yeah. Going to that point with my employees, it used to, when you're a small company, you use those buzzwords like KPIs and all that stuff, but reality, nobody ever has KPIs. It's work as fast as possible and do as much shit as possible. Yeah. Um, we've boiled it down to like, here are your three or four KPIs for the whole quarter. And every single person has them. And we measure against that weekly. Oh, nice. how are you improving to that? You show yeah. up to your weekly meeting. How are you proving to those KPIs? And are you going to hit that or not? 
And then you have short milestones and how you move those KPIs, but you really have three or four trackable things. And that's the only thing I care about as a boss this year. Uh, so we're trying for that. Love it. Do you have any suggestions for people listening who manage people? Like, how did you guys, did you read a book or did you, is there a resource for KPIs that you suggest? I mean, I, I just think every team is different, right? So like a good example would be uh, our social media manager, right? Like our big emphasis this year is normally when you think of content and content creation and social, we always thought about Instagram first, but Instagram is such a dead platform that doesn't reward creativity anymore and engagement oh. terrible. Okay. So rather than thinking about content and Instagram, TikTok. TikTok is the number one platform. I hate TikTok to death, but it's the <laughs> platform that rewards creativity and engagement. Yeah. So what are our TikTok goals? And so like we have, like our goal is to have 50,000 followers. I'm just roughly saying that by the end of the quarter, how are we moving to that goal? Are we creating content with like famous influencers? Are we working with an agency? Uh, so she has very strict KPIs. And then also how many, how much organic traffic are we sending from social to our website? Because mm. we know our website has a 3% conversion rate, right? Like that's just a random number. But if we know we have a 3% conversion rate, I know every hundred visitors I get from social is going to turn into three sales, which is $450, which is how much net profit. Yep. So you can start becoming very scientific. Love uh, that. Oh which yeah. Is the goal, you know? Hell yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I've even thinking back when I started the podcast, like every, I remember back when I first started this, no one even either knew what TikTok was or was ever like, oh yeah. Okay. Another social media. It's yeah. funny now, man, like a year and a half, almost two years later, it's like everything. Exactly. Crazy. Cool. That's a, that's a great one. Um, the next question is just uh, source of knowledge. So for you, do you have anything you suggest to the audience listening today, whether it's a book podcast, just anything you would suggest that you've read or listened to recently that was impactful? Yeah. Um, I love my first million podcast. Really good. Um, and listen to that. Yeah. It's really, really good. And then one thing that's really stuck with me lately is I had this guy uh, kind of like a mentor uh, in my life. And he's like, Chris, like you're really good at networking and making those first conversations. And I'm sure a lot of people do this, right? Like me and you would rip it for an hour and uh, we have a reason to like stay in touch. Right. But most of the time you have a call with somebody for an hour, half an hour. It's great. And you never talk to that person again. Like you follow them on Instagram. It's like, sure. it is what it is. And you make that occasional, Hey, I might like their post or whatever. Yeah. But he's like, be intentional with your connections this year. Find six people that you really care about and stay in touch with them. Have a meeting oh. every quarter. Send them something. Like really progress, like you're dating almost, right? Like I love find that. six people that you really like. And by the end of the year, measure how, he had, a, he had a good name for it, I forget it. But essentially just find six people that you really want to network with this year and push those relationships much far, further. That is really cool. Instead of kind of like, instead of going a mile wide, inch deep, go a mile deep, inch wide type thing. Yeah. So I think that's, I thought that was, that, that really resonated with me. So I'm going to definitely That hit me too. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. Very cool. Six six people's attainable. I mean, you can even do it with two people, but at least it's a start. And like, for me, I'm almost 30. Like it's harder to meet friends uh, when you're older. It's like, you're not living in a dorm room. Like I go out to a lunch with somebody for 30 minutes. They're in Miami sick. Like it was a great lunch, but I never hear from them again. Right. So it's like, yeah. how do we make, take the next step forward? Love that. That's yeah. great advice, Chris. Appreciate yeah. that. And everyone listening, I'm sure a lot of people's light bulbs just went off. Cause I think a lot of people probably fall into that with it. I think honestly, like it kind of sped up with COVID and everyone being remote. I know for me, like just, I meet a lot of people on the podcast, but to your point, like how many of those, some of those people I'm thinking now, like I keep in touch with pretty regularly, but yeah, not a lot. It's a good point. Yeah. Um, love that. 
Uh, last and most important question is how can people follow you and how can people follow along and ultimately try CrossNet? Yeah. So CrossNet, available at all those retail stores I mentioned, but crossnetgame.com is great. Uh, you can follow along me on social, Chris Mead on LinkedIn or Twitter. And I actually just put out a, a, a newsletter that I write once a week. Sweet. On super oh, helpful e-commerce tips, all about just like building a business. So yeah, super easy to find. Just type in Chris Mead newsletter. You should be able to find it. Awesome. I will uh, I'll definitely add that to the show notes and subscribe. That's badass. Cool, man. Yep. Well, Chris, well, thank you so much, man. I appreciate the time and it was a Thanks, pleasure man. catching up. Love it. Thanks for having me.